You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Justice is Served here on Black Hollywood Live. It is Wednesday, and if you haven't already done so, subscribe over on YouTube or on iTunes or wherever you guys uh, consume us. If you're new to the program, welcome. Hope you guys enjoy it and stick around for many more episodes. Heck, go go into the archives. Check out some other ones. I am joined alongside Chelsea Galicia. Hi there. Attorney at law. No, can I say that? Yeah, remember when I first met and my friend said, oh, she's a lawyer. I'm like, don't say something so mean about me. But I'm trying to wear the I'm a lawyer um, badge proudly. So I'm going to try and smile when you call me a lawyer. Because normally it's like a derogatory term. Attorney at law, Chelsea Galicia. <laughs> Attorney not at law, Phil Svitek. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a lot of stories for you. Uh, we continue... With the Bill Cosby story, um, as that progresses, we'll, of course, talk about Donald Trump, especially on the uh, – we're on the cusp of the Miss USA pageant uh, this coming Sunday. Are you excited about that? Uh, we will talk about that, mm-hmm. certainly. Um, and then we've got uh, we, we've got polygamy and other stuff. So we, we've got a lot to talk about, you know, some of the stuff we've kind of talked about in the past, but it continues to develop and so that's what we're going to focus on. What a development with Cosby. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, his, you know, uh, the, the word legacy is thrown out a lot with Bill Cosby, especially in recent months. And, um, you know, th- this is uh, something surfaced that uh, I was unaware of. Um, it, it is his um, famous pound cake speech that he gave. Ironically, it was on pretty much uh, – it was back in 2014 and was on the eve of the um, – uh, It was 20, 2004, right? Like 2004, what did I say? A decade ago, 2014. Yes, 2004. 2000, see, that's how, that's how long it, it actually was. Um, and da, 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 where is it? It was, um, the 50th anniversary of the Brown versus Board of Education, 1954, a Supreme Court decision that ruled off segregation. Um, so it was very powerful speech, right? And, um, it's actually coming back to haunt Bill Cosby now. But before we tell you, you know, exactly why it's, it's resurfacing today, let's take a quick listen to what it is. All right. Great. Days you couldn't hook his school because behind every drawn shade was an eye. And before your mother got off the bus into the house, she knew exactly where you had gone, who had gone into the house. Parents don't know that today. I'm talking about these people who cry. When the son is standing there in an orange suit, where were you when he was two? Where were you when he was 12? Where were you when he was 18 
And how come you don't know he had a pistol? These are not these these are not political criminals. These are people going around stealing Coca-Cola. People getting shot in the back of the head over a piece of pound cake. And then we all run out and we're outraged. Oh, the cops shouldn't have shot him. What the hell was he doing with the pound cake in his hand? Brown versus the Board of Education is no longer the white all right, versus so, Robert. Uh, you guys can listen to the full speech. Just uh, it, It's available on YouTube or wherever else. But um, But you get the gist of it, right? And the reason this is coming back is because um, it's a matter of Bill Cosby's um, right to privacy during this um, during the, this hearing process, and it's not the fact that he's a comedian; it's the fact that uh, they're ruling it um, because of this speech. He 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 put himself on the platform of a public moralist, right? And and by giving himself that platform, he now um, you, you know. It, it, it now opens it up, and he is a public figure, and therefore the, the trial is public. All right, let me give a little bit of uh, background information. So last year, the Associated Press, uh, I think I believe through the Freedom of Information Act, um, petitioned to have the deposition of Bill Cosby released. It was taken, I believe, in 2004. Uh when a an employee of Temple University who he was accused of um, molesting had filed a civil case against him. And in that case, he had his deposition taken, and there were some quite poignant questions asked of him. Specifically, when you got the quaaludes, was it in your mind that you were going to use these quaaludes for young women that you wanted to have sex with? And he answered, yes. So uh, that is probably the the biggest kicker of of all the testimony in there. But that deposition prior to um, this week had been essentially sealed. It was a, a private matter. The case was um, settled privately. So that's how we never knew uh, about the details of what happened in this incident. Uh, but the Associated Press now petitioned for release of that transcript because of all these new stories, uh, these new allegations. Or I shouldn't say new, but they're coming back into the headlines in the last, what, six, seven months um, that uh, that I've been on the show. I feel like this has been a, a regular subject matter. So uh, these women are coming forward now and so it's a it's a matter of massive public interest plus we've got some cases by uh victims or alleged victims uh like Janice Dickerson and uh and others who have come forward to say that they were drugged and or raped um and so this is why uh a judge had to decide whether to reveal what was in this deposition. And the judge, well, obviously, Bill Cosby's attorneys didn't want this released. They said it would embarrass him, um, no kidding, and that he wasn't really a public figure. And that kind of sounds silly to all of us because we know him to be such a public figure. And the, the judge said, yeah, not only is this guy a comedian and actor, and if that's all that he had been, this probably would not be at all be a real, true public interest. I mean, we might be curious about it, but we wouldn't really have the same right to see it as if he had 
hadn't held himself out to on this moral high ground telling uh, us and particularly um, the African-American, African-American community, community and parents how how to live and how to parent. So that's how this all came about. And specifically in this judge's opinion, uh, in the memorandum of, of, of his thoughts, he pointed to this speech that we just heard. Uh, which is dubbed the pound cake speech because in it is, is where Cosby is sort of pointing the finger at, uh, you know, black America for, uh, the trouble that they have with police because they put themselves in the situation where they would get in trouble with police. In this joke, it was, you know, that somebody had some pound cake or stole some pound cake and that's why he was shot and everybody would be in uproar like, oh my God, the police are so violent. They shouldn't be doing that. We should sue. And his question is, well, what was the kid doing with the pound cake in the first place if he couldn't buy it? So he was pointing the finger um, back at uh, Black America, essentially, for... Um, criminal acts and and so on and so forth. So now his moral high ground thing has really come back to bite him in the behind. Do you think that this is going to make a difference in the legal cases that like Janice Dickerson's filed uh Dickinson's filed a case saying that that he lied when he uh denied uh drugging her yeah. I, th- I think it will. Um, it cer- certainly sets a precedent, um, you know, for for these various things. And uh, as you and Sarah so adequately, you know, talk about it, um, you know, each of these things in the in the past has to be analyzed and how it affects, the, you know, the future, right? And so one of the things we'll be later talking about is how gay marriage now is affecting possibly polygamy um, and how and various things. More on that, but. You know, it, it, it certainly is interesting and, and it's, um, you know, the, the judge's name is, um, uh, Judge Roberno, um, of Eastern, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. Um, so he's the one kind of, um, coming out with this and claiming, uh, and he says, you know, the, the case is not about the defendant's status as a public person, but by virtue of the exercise of his trade as a televised or uh, comedic personality, rather the defendant is doing the mantle of public moralist. Right. Um, so, so I, I mean, this is a, a bit scary. Does this mean that if you ever give somebody some personal advice that your deposition transcripts or any record of any private conflicts are now public fodder? I mean, it, I, I guess people should be really tepid to i think i think the greater i i think the bigger kind of overall concern is i mean if you're a celebrity with let's say a charity which I, it kind of ties into the next uh story about donald trump but you know are you revered you know now if you're not a public figure you're a public figure in that sense but you still have a right to your own privacy yeah. um now just because you let's say have a charity and you're trying to do some good in the world now um are you now, do you lose that right to privacy entirely? I mean, I think that this case is probably an anomaly and that this won't, I don't think that celebrities need to all of a sudden be concerned. I think just the egregious nature of the crimes that he is alleged to have committed against so many women over so long a period of time, that in up against what he's um, held himself out to be was why it's such a stark contrast and why it's so 
such national interest. Now, if you're let me let me ask this though, because uh, especially not, I mean, you know, if we're because this could go down the slippery slope of, I mean, how many times, right, emails are used as evidence. Uh, now now we're using Twitter and, who knows, Periscope and Facebook and all these other things. So uh, I still think, like, there has to be a certain amount of weight to, like, let's say he tweeted out these various things. Would he be deemed a public moralist or the fact that it was a speech given to, a, you know, an auditorium? It's a different type of medium. Um, different type of circumstances. Obviously, you're trying to actually, you're more meaningfully trying to impact a certain knowledge, a certain principle, rather than a tweet. Let's just say that instead of these speeches or even in his comedy acts, that these had been, you know, short YouTube videos or, you know, posts on Twitter or whatever. If it was very um, inconsistent, they were very infrequent. Probably not. But if they're so regular, regular, I'm making up words. If they're so regular as to kind of become part of his brand, you know, that's the thing is that Bill Cosby, the actor, is, is known almost as much as being this public moralist as he is an actor. If his, it's almost on equal footing because he came out with it so often part of his act or speeches and there I mean it was like really became part of his celebrity brand so I don't think that celebrities who every now and again dispose of some advice or some opinion on some moral issue need to be worried that all of their you know private court proceedings are now public domain hopefully I mean it could, I don't know it could it could, and so, I mean, depends on the the value of the charity to the person, right? And the other thing is that a lot of people now, in the court of public opinion, have for sure found him guilty. I mean, he's he's confessed to doing something that dozens of women have alleged that he's done. But this doesn't mean. I mean, I almost feel silly for saying this, but if we really want to be strictly legal, this was not a confession that he did this to Janice Dickinson, or he did this explicitly to any of the other women who have come forward and who now have uh, defamation uh, suits against him for coming out and saying that these victims are, are liars. So this doesn't make Janice Dickinson's case a slam dunk, although it certainly uh, would tend to be relevant evidence in that. But it... it we can't say that because he did it to one woman or even multiple women that he did it to all, I don't know, 20 some odd women who claimed to have been victims of this. So we have to be careful legally to say, well, for sure he's a rapist um, legally. But the court of public opinion is free to do uh, what it would like to do. And I, I even, you know, Jill Scott, who was a celebrity who had previously come out in defense of, of Bill Cosby was like, Oh, sorry, I was wrong about this guy. Uh, and it's sad, you know, she said it, it hurt to be wrong about this. I'm, I'm sure, um, even people who continue to stand by him have to be, uh, a little disgusted, uh, as to what he's confessed he's to. I mean, that, why that? I mean, I, I would really love to, know why he would do this, but it also would make me really curious now, with all of the um, victims of police brutality more recently, who we've talked about on this show, some of them whom were doing really nothing, uh, 
would he still say the same thing, that it was these kids' fault for getting shot or choked to death? In light of these videos that we've seen showing that people are doing nothing or virtually nothing wrong or definitely not anything that warrants that kind of treatment or death, would he still stand by what he said uh, in 2004, given what cell phone videos show us uh, is actually going on? But I doubt Bill Cosby will ever be on the show, although we would be most uh, open to that to get I, his I think I don't think I don't think his attorneys would let him. No, Marty Singer for sure is not not let him set anything ever anywhere, much less go on a show to talk about it. So hey, if if Barack Obama can go on Mark Maron's podcast, there's hope for us all. Um, right? all right. Well, speaking of uh, public opinion, you, oh. the viewers at home, uh, yes. you guys will not be judged legally. Feel free to comment along. Let us know what you guys are thinking of this case as it develops. Obviously, we've been talking about it for quite some time. And and so, let us, you know, I'd be curious. Has your opinion changed? Is it changing? Could it change? What will it take to, you know? So so let us know. We're definitely curious because, after all, it's a community. Um, Speaking of communities, uh, first and foremost... One of uh, one of our hosts, Alex Worley, will be hosting the Miss USA pageant this uh, Sunday, July twelfth, on uh, on Reels Channel, and so I am very excited for her. Um, very very excited for her, and I'm I'm excited for the uh, the the Miss USA pageant in general because these women do not deserve you know if if you know the pageant, which Alex is by the way, you know she's from the pageant system, so she knows it very well. These women put a ton of work. It's a year-round thing. And so to have it be um, in any way tainted because of one man, it's just it, it's not fair to them. And so uh, with that kicks off our debate on Donald Trump and how NBC uh, you know, infringed on his, his rights, so to speak. Right. Well, that's been... So he claims. Right. That's his, his big complaint now. So uh, not that long ago, presidential candidate... Donald Trump, it sounds so ridiculous to say that, but it's a true story, announced his bid for the presidency and in that speech made some pretty disgusting remarks that include when Mexico sends its people, they're not sending us their best. They're sending um, people who have problems. They're bringing problems. uh, They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And I love how he throws this last line in. And I... And some, I assume, are good people. That saved him. Um, yeah, so uh, that is obviously very offensive to a large segment of the population. Um, I, I mean, any time that you get lumped in a group and you're called a criminal or rapist. Um, it's a good you, feeling. Right. Um, I, mean, I mean, just looking at that, that, that includes people like my own mom. You know, so, so anyways, so he, uh, said this and a lot of groups came out to cut ties with him. That is after some petitions requested that organizations and companies cut ties with him. And there's been quite a cascade of people trying to make some major distance between themselves and Donald Trump. So let me ask, let me ask you this, right? Um, a couple of things. Uh, the, the question is, to, you know, is is him being fired from NBC? Does that infringe upon his free speech rights? Um, from well, NBC, 
No, I mean, but remember, NBC is a private organization. I mean, mm-hmm. it's publicly traded, but it, it, it's my point is that it's not the government. Mm-hmm. So, which is a really important thing to remember when you're talking about the infringement of free speech. But even even so, like uh, you know, the whole point is that that free speech, like, there's still consequences to your words. Just because you can say anything doesn't mean that uh, that. You can, you should, and, and so on and so forth. But also, let me ask you this: the, you know, there's times when, um, and I don't think this is that time at all. But just for the sake of argument, when you, you know, when there's the opposition is just louder, you know, and and therefore certain things happen just because of uh, you know what could be considered a small faction of people are just loud and proud about it. Again, I personally don't think that is the case at all with this, but can you buy that argument? Well, this is why not really. Okay. So NBC, you know, as a network, they're in the business of selling advertisement. And to do that, they need to attract viewers who would be watching the programming and watching the advertising. And then, converting those viewers into buyers of the companies that advertise on their channel. That's what their NBC, Univision, that's what they're in the business of doing. Yes, we focus on the programming and stuff, but as a business, correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, of all people, you would know that that's how they make their living, right? right. That's It's all about the ads, yes. So if somebody is is going to say something that would cause people to stop watching NBC, to stop watching Univision, to stop purchasing from the organizations, the companies that advertise on NBC and Univision, you're defeating the whole purpose of your company. The whole business model is based on advertising in the in the networks. And so they know because they heard from a lot of consumers, Mexicans, Latin Americans in general, and people who empathize with an entire group of people who are just being called criminals and rapists said, this isn't cool. I don't, I'm not going to watch anybody, any organization, any uh, channel that endorses this kind of, of belief. I'm not going to buy from organizations that partner with him. And so that's why NBC chose to not air uh, the pageants, which Donald Trump is a co-owner of. That is why NBC fired him from The Apprentice. Uh, that's why a lot of companies have cut ties, sort of mattresses. Macy's isn't going to carry his stuff anymore. Uh, some uh, NASCAR is no longer going to hold one of its awards ceremonies at one of his properties. ESPN is changing a golf classic to a non-Trump associated golf club. PGA is doing the same thing. So a lot of people know that their business comes from people watching them and people buying from them. And if you alienate viewers, consumers, you're alienating the dollars that come with them. Let me ask you this. It's a little too late in the game for some of these companies. Like, I'm glad that people are taking a stand. But you were in business for a very long time with this person and this company. And it didn't seem to be a problem then. Yeah. And it's not like all of a sudden, one day, like... It, it, it's not like we had Gandhi on one one spectrum for for many many years, and then one day he woke up and was Howard Hughes, you know, yes. taking out the proverbial pee in a bottle, and it's like, whoa, what happened? Well, it's Donald Trump. He's been a little shaky 
for many, many years. Yeah. It's no surprise. Right. But things change when, number one, you're trying to be president of the United States. And it also shows the power of consumers and any size group that if something ticks us off enough, we will band together and make stuff happen. And I think it should be empowering to the public to see that if you organize and stand for something and sign a petition or make your voice heard some, that it does make a difference. I think so many people are annoyed with politics uh, as they should be for the pardon my French, shit show that it has become, but also they feel helpless to change anything. But this is an example where you can see very quickly that if you if you and enough of your friends uh, or people that believe along the same lines that you do want to change something, you can make it happen. So I think that's what happened is that, yeah, he had said offensive things before, but it had never been so poignant as to just enrage and, and or, or, or I don't even want to say that this necessarily occurred just out of anger, but just out of like, this is not cool. We're not going to stand for this anymore. And, and finally it, it got enough people to come together and move toward the goal of, of, of maybe of basically ostracizing him for what he said. And so Private companies cannot infringe upon his free speech. That that the Constitution says that the government can't infringe upon your free speech. So all these people saying that these organizations that we've listed, you know, Macy's and NBC, are infringing his his free speech. They can't because they're not the government. Sure, but even so, like even so, like uh, just in regular terms, right? You cannot be at a, like Bill Cosby. You cannot say certain things in the work environment, let's say, yeah. to take it to a micro level. like Or even right here. Like, it's I considered can't... sexual harassment, yeah. right? If a, if a male coworker was like, oh, damn, you look insane. Like, you cannot say those things. Right. It, 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 it infringes upon that person's like right to work at this workplace. Right, in a so non-hostile a... environment. So, yeah, great example of, you know, a sleazebag guy can say, well, I can say whatever I want to that hot chick. It's my free speech. Well... Yeah, but you can also get fired for that if you're doing it at work. And our, our words, as you said, they, they have consequences. And so he should have been more mindful about the partnerships that he had and, and what the goals of those partners were. You know, NBC didn't, doesn't partner with him necessarily because they like him. I, I'm not sure who likes him. They partnered with him because they thought it would have an effect on viewership and advertising. And when it had the wrong effect on both of those things, they said, peace out. So I, I think people should not get so, oh, my God, his free speech, his poor free speech is being infringed upon. Now, it's a free speech slightly, comes with a responsibility. Though. Absolutely. Again, that, 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 I, people tend to miss, misrepresent now, that. I a, want to talk about his legal like okay. what, what he can do legally, if at all, and what? Well, he has, you know, of course, every time that somebody disagrees with him, um, he either goes after them personally or says, I'm going to sue them. And that's what he's done against Univision, $500 million suit. Uh, I, uh, you would have to look at the contract itself to see whether what they did um, is appropriate. And now here's the other thing with contracts. You can violate a contract. You're not going to be thrown in jail for violating a contract. In fact, some contracts are best to be violated. The thing is, is that there will be a cost to it. And perhaps it was worth it to Univision to 
violate the contract we call breach of you know breach the contract and perhaps there's a financial penalty in that contract for breaching it but perhaps they calculated that the cost of of the viewership loss and all of that was much greater than what they would have to pay out to Trump for violating or breaching the contract. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it was calculated, maybe they found a clause in that contract that allowed them to get out of it if he were to have said something so offensive to their core demographic uh that so I I can't I don't have a a solid grasp on how that case will go. Uh, but I have a feeling that in the end, even if Univision um, or NBC loses against Trump in the file in these suits against them, well, I don't think he's actually filed against NBC. He's just threatening to do so. But in the long run, these organizations may come out ahead for listening to their viewers and looking out for the uh, the people, the communities they serve. And that's what Univision said was the reason for pulling out. It's that they believe they have a responsibility to take a stand and protect the communities that they they serve, whether that's an entirely complete reason as to why they backed out or not, I'm not sure. But what is a little more confusing is whether city government contracts can be null and voided because of these comments. So specifically, the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, has come out and said, I'm going to have these contracts that Trump has with the city reviewed. And some uh, politicians have urged uh the city to back out of contracts that it has um, signed with Donald Trump over the management of some, you know, golf courses, city golf courses, or like the the ferry things like that. So it's it's more difficult for a government entity like the um, city of New York to break these contracts just for what he said. That would be perhaps a violation of his free speech. But if there are other reasons that a allow them out uh, of the, the contract, for example, if, uh, if this, if, if a ferry is, is um, designed to serve a segment of the population that now feels afraid or not unwelcome to use that because it's owned and operated by, or operated, I should say, by by Trump, and they feel alienated, then the city's like, well, we went into a partnership in order to help more of our residents use this this ferry. And now if, if that reason for getting into this contract in the first place goes out the window, then, then perhaps they have a valid reason to back out of the contracts. But it's a little bit stickier so, when it comes to any government entities. Yeah. So a lot going on. Um, definitely let us know your thoughts on on uh, Mr. Donald Trump. Indeed, and I would really like to know if before you saw this, you thought, "Oh, Donald Trump's free speech rights are being infringed upon," and now after hearing what we've said, you either still feel that way and why, or if you changed your mind, which I would, you know, appreciate. Uh, but if you still think his free speech rights are being infringed, why do you think that? So and here's what I would like to know, like, um, you know, I want to ma- I want to make sure that people are not getting just the uh, the summary of all. Like, how many of you have actually heard the full um, 
full speech from Trump and not just like the quotes and things like that. You know what I mean? Because when you, because not saying that uh, that the context is 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 wrong or that you're misinterpreting it. But it's always, you know, if people just try to jump on it because they saw a clip of it on mm-hmm. on TV versus, like, make your own opinion about it. That's I, I really want to urge people that. And, again, well, the, other, the same opinion. The problem is is that even after he said that, when asked to readdress it to clarify because people are like, hold on a minute. Did you actually mean what you said? And he basically said, yeah, I did. I mean it. And, uh, and, and so he's reiterated it so much. But if you would allow me a slight tangent, please, sure. because I'm passionate about this. Um, this remark shows how ignorant Donald Trump is. Not only have many call them illegal, I hate that word, but undocumented people come over and done great things for this country. But the state of the problems in Mexico and all of Latin America are not just their problem. I know a lot of people here say, well, Mexicans should just go back to Mexico and yeah, it sucks over there, but they that's their problem. They should fix it. That means that people do not understand the history of the United States involvement in Mexico and the rest of Latin America. That if you really just look a little bit, you can see how much we have messed with other countries. Uh, I, I mean, I can go on and on about this, about how our CIA has gone in and and, and killed leaders of other countries and uh, been a part, I'll say, of the civil wars in other countries. Uh we, we have said that we were fighting communism, but really we had the interests of multinational corporations based in the U.S., like um, the United Food Company. That's, that's why we uh, made a mess of Guatemala. Um, if, if people just, just, just look, oh, and Donald Trump pointed to trade policies. Yeah, if you look at the, the North American Free Trade Agreement signed, I don't know why, by Bill Clinton, um, it had the effect of displacing and putting out of work, I, I can't remember the exact sum, but a million if not more farm workers. And so when all of a sudden people are out of a job, they're desperate wouldn't, wouldn't, and, and nothing else. That's all they know, that they're, they're, they're farmers, there's not much else in, in the economy, and they're just then we wonder why they're shit doing pound out of cake. luck. And then we wonder why they will do anything to come across the border. And people who think that the walk across the border is like a stroll across the street have no idea what they're talking about. I Please indulge me for a few more minutes on this because I know this is a little bit off topic, but I really think that this is important. So in the last three years, I have been to Guatemala six times to help build schools. Like I was out in March of this year to do that. And every time that I'm there, the organization that um, we're building the schools with, they're called Hug It Forward, check them out. Um, they have a community member from the village where we're building the school talk to us about a, their experience in the Civil War, that's fascinating. And another speaker talks about coming to the United States illegally, why they do it, uh, how they do it, and, and, and like day by day, what the journey is like. And it, it is horrifying what some people will go through to, to get to this country, to have an opportunity to feed their families. And so anybody who thinks that this is just like, oh, you know, things aren't so great here. I just want a better life. I'm just going to sh- 
casually stroll across the border and steal the jobs of hardworking Americans. That is not it at all. So two things that I want people to understand. We, as uh, the United States, not me, you know, personally, but just a citizen of, the, of this country whose government has acted on perhaps my behalf, but probably more behalf on of the big corporations to, I'm sorry to say this, but destroy these other countries is why they're the, the, it's our problem what's going on. We can't just say, oh, that's Mexico's problem. That's Guatemala's problem. That's El Salvador's problem. S- keep your problems over there and, and we're here, especially when we're the ones demanding all the drugs. Trump is complaining about all the drugs are coming from there. Why are they coming from there up here? Because the, the market for drugs is so hot here in the United States. So perhaps if we chilled out on our, our drug habit, then there would not be a market for them to be selling to up here. So, and then of course the, the part about the border crossing being a, a stroll and, and not really realizing why people are doing it and how horrendous, horrendous it is for them to do it. I think it's really important for people to understand that this is why what Trump said is so offensive because it just is completely ignorant of, of history and the truth and reality. And so I, I hope that, uh, that M- Mr. Trump gets educated a little bit more before he continues this rant or that it just, you know, as America Ferreira pointed out, um, is just a cause for Latinos to, you know, rally around and cause us to show up at the polls. I feel like you need Either a hand way. clap. Let's give her a hand clap. Talk about free speech, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) No, but I really, I really hope that that, you know, made, made sense in my passionate rant. Okay. All right. Thank Um, you. Thank you so much for indulging in that. I, I hope it was a, a brief but engaging history lesson for people who had no idea about that stuff. Well, hopefully it hit a home, uh, for, for at least some of you. Um, now, a question that might hit home even further. How soon do you need to stop at night for a police officer? I remember uh, in traffic, well, traffic school and, and when you were uh, taking that silly class to get your license. Dri- call- driver's ad? Yeah, that's what it's called. I'm calling it silly. It's very important. I'm glad. I'm not saying that we should get rid of it. But, it, you know, everything that I remember is like when it's safe to do so. At, you know, safety, safety, safety. Like, yes, there are some things that are black and white. But there were a lot of things that I remember learning that are like when it is safe to cross. I mean, when it is safe to do this, when it is safe to do that. So I didn't think that you had to pull over right away. But apparently I could be wrong. I mean, I, I mean, it gets into the definition, right? If let's say you're in the left lane of a five lane highway, right? What is safe? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. But we're talking about this specifically because of a case of a 24 year old guy that was um, pulled over in Michigan. Uh, he was um, going along a dark road. There's even a video of it. You can see. I mean, this looked like a two lane highway with nothing else around, and he gets pulled over. Uh, and, but he waits a mile and a half to actually stop once he gets to the well-lit parking lot of a Sam's Club or something. And when he does, uh, pull over, oh, and by the way, it's not like he was speeding, he was going slow, he even stuck his arm out, the, the police officer in the report uh, mentioned that he stuck his arm out and, and that is because he was trying to signal to the guy, I know you're pulling me over, I'm gonna pull over when it's, when it's mm-hmm. safe. 
Um, but still, he was arrested and is cha- is facing felony charges of uh, fleeing, evading uh, arrest for waiting until he reached a well-lit parking lot to pull over. What would you have done in that situation? I would have I would have done the same thing as the guy. I mean, you know, usually when when you kind of let the the cop know that you're thinking about something like going, you know, um, if they haven't told you where to do it, then because um, uh, they usually have their loudspeaker and they'll let you know like, hey, pull over now or this yeah. and that. Um, so I, I would have done the same thing. This is one of those things for me. I, you know, I understand that there's a certain dissonance that has to happen between a cop. And the you know the, the citizen, whether law-abiding or not, overall. Um, but it, I, I just have a problem with it when again you, you're talking about he hasn't done anything major. Now, if he's drunk driving, different thing. Was he drunk driving? Absolutely not. There you go. So just just bear with the guy, right? Allow a certain leeway yeah. with the person instead of oh he, you know which a mile and a half may sound like a lot. It's actually not that much when you're driving. We're talking about two minutes, right? I mean, it, it's hard for us in LA to imagine like a mile and a half. I mean, there there's lights and parking lots, uh, you know, every other block. I mean, yep. but if you if you look at it, the video, it was like very rural. It didn't seem like there was anything around. So, you know, a mile and a half isn't that long if you think about it in that context. And the other part is, like, I wonder if if this were me, you know, I I have concerns, like, I've heard of fake police officers pulling people over, or even um, uh, real officers pulling people over for uh, their their off duty, and they pull people over and you know do things. So, if it's not a well lit area, I would be very uncomfortable to pull over. Would I be facing these same charges? Can, or would somebody maybe understand that as a woman, I would fear for my safety a little bit more than a man? Or some men are probably going to come back and say, why should women have any more fear for their safety than men? Sorry, guys, we do. We just, it's biological. Uh, so I, I think it's a really unfortunate thing. I think, so this guy was all offered a plea deal to to still plead guilty, um, but that might cost him his job and financial aid. I say, don't plead guilty. Go to a jury, and and there's got to be, you know, at least one person on a twelve panel jury that has the logic and reasoning to be like, yeah, he didn't do anything. By the way, the reason he was being pulled over is because his car resembled the car that was driving on a sidewalk. So, well, yeah. So the, the, I mean, I, this case is a little scary to me. Apparently, he's going tomorrow. His court date is tomorrow to see if um, if he'll stand trial uh, for this poor guy. I mean, this this should have been a non-issue. I can't believe a that the police officer handled it like this, and that b that the DA's office decided to pursue this case. I think this is absolutely ridiculous, and I'm I'm hoping that it ends well for this gentleman. I I, I personally have a. I, I I hate these kind of things only because you know uh, I I've seen it. T- technically, you have to roll down your window only two thirds of the way. You don't need to roll it down all the way, right? When you're speaking with a police officer. Now, some people take offense to that it's like, uh, and then then you're being smart with them or whatever. Other times you can cooperate and they still get mad at that. And, and so, uh, you know, uh, as much as there is 
quote unquote a protocol on how to deal with the police or like they tell you how you can deal with the police yeah. uh it's very inconsistent and i just feel like more often times than not you're you're left in trouble yeah. and it's just unfortunate this is one of those so rare idiot. times where i think like ignorance of the law is an excuse because most of us are told you know you pull over when it's safe pull over when it's safe even when i looked it up i was trying to see you know is there some you know you have you know 500 yards to pull over i didn't think that there was but i was looking it up just to see and at least i didn't find anything that was clear but i did find a lot of websites from attorneys explaining that yeah you have to pull over when it is safe to do so and the question well, you guys always is, talk about intent intent the intent yes. of a law, the intent of uh, yes. the motive, and all that. So his intent of was not to get away. Right, which is why he should not uh, plead guilty to any charge. He should wait for a jury of his peers who hopefully will which understand part- that intent. I mean, there was a video taken of, of this whole incident. And in the video, he says, I couldn't see what was on your car. I could see the lights, but I couldn't see like the decals on it. I, I, I didn't know I was waiting till, to be in a lit place, you know. Because I've heard of people that have been pulled over and robbed, assaulted by people pretending to be police officers and pulling people over. I mean, it's a real thing. So, good luck to that guy. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm uh, yeah. I'm, okay, so let's tip some scales here. Yes. We we talked about it last time. Uh, you know, we, gay marriage and what it means for this country. Now, what it means is we hinted at it. But now it's a real de- debate, a real talking point. Um, polygamy. Yeah. <laughs> polygamy. And in Montana, a threesome is already suing for the right to marry. Yeah. So there's there's people, and there, there's been this argument all along, and of course now it's really heated up since we had the decision um, come down that the states cannot ban gay marriage, that... If we have gay marriage, why not plural marriage? And that has been this arguing point for a long time. And now people are are, are suing for the right um, to marry many wives or to be one of several wives. Uh, and they point to the court's reasoning or the the justices who dissented, who say, who point out that very thing, that it doesn't look like based on the arguments here, there is a real reason why why uh, polygamy shouldn't be legal by this very same logic. And to that, I say, number one, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. Let, I would say let's let's just say that it applies, and that uh, perhaps people have a right to marry as many people as they want. The second part of the analysis is: is that harmful? Like, does the government, does the state have an interest against that? And the reason why that argument didn't work in gay marriage is because all the studies showed that gay marriage or, or, or households of families headed up by two people of the same sex were not harmful to families, children, or society. However, there have been studies that indicate that um, polygamy has been harmful 
to children in those families. And I can't say that this is true for every family, uh, but I have seen reference to studies that indicate that in uh, households where there are many wives and many children, that children are more often uh, abused or neglected, um, things of that nature. And so if enough of these studies held up and showed that there was some harm to to children, this would not fly. They would not be able to uh, to marry as many people as they want. Uh, I, I don't think, if we in reality, that we're going to have polygamy be legal in the United Let States. Let me ask you this, because you know, I, we can debate that side of it for you know, and, and obviously you, you bring up actual fact. But there was an argument of uh, that. By having polygamy, it kind of uh, – let me read the quote. Um, uh, polygamy, will, polygamy, polygamy will hurt ability of low-status men to marry, thereby limiting marriage opportunities rather than broadening them. Yeah, that was an what? interesting argument. What, what does that even mean? Well, it, it, I, I get what it means. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Even if the government says that marriage is a fundamental right, that doesn't now mean that you have a right to a wife. Like – you know, if Alexis here doesn't want to marry you and you say, but I want to get married, that can't compel somebody else to marry you just because you have a fundamental right to marry. So uh, the, to say that everybody now is or all women would then go for the polygamy thing and 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 men who don't have as much money to support families would lose out might be true in some cases. But here's the thing, that, that, that is the, the, the trend right now is that, that that is happening. Then it might be better if it wasn't happening. If that, you know, women who are marrying, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, deadbeats, you know, got to marry Brad Pitt. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, maybe. first I mean, off, that, that is an actual argument. I, I'm, I'm generally for, all for personal choices as long as they don't harm or infringe upon the rights of other people. And especially when we're talking about kids, if there are really, you know, studies showing that this is not good for children, for their education, for their mental well-being, emotional well-being, then I, I think that that carries some serious weight and that that should outweigh our, our right to have as many husbands and wives as we want. Uh, I, I, we would be, if we legalized it, the only democracy that resembles what we see as democracy that would have uh, polygamy. I think the only countries that have it are uh, in the Middle East and some in Africa. And I don't, uh, I'm sure that there were great reasons why the other countries who have banned it and, and us who, you know, do not have um, polygamy as legal have some valid reasons. Polygamy has been around for a very long time, even biblical times. So the fact that it has been Banned Which, by, by the so way, many I, people. I, I, one of the funniest parts about uh, the <clears throat> the argument against gay marriage to begin with was that marriage has always been defined between a man and a woman. No, it wasn't. It was polygamy, right? Uh, yeah. So, you know, we, we're yeah. going full circle. If if this was very full circle, and it's really important to point out that in his opinion, Justice Kennedy said that, uh, you know, with respect to this asserted basis for excluding same-sex couples from the right to marry, it is appropriate to observe these cases involve only the rights of two consenting adults whose marriage would pose no risk of harm to themselves or third parties. So this decision by itself does not legalize 
polygamy. In fact, it explicitly says that it doesn't without referencing it. But it is a, an interesting uh, debate, but I think it's a debate that won't go very far, and I doubt that those that threesome in Montana will, will have much luck, but it would be interesting to see if I was wrong. We'll definitely discuss that on the show. Fair enough. All right. So let us know. Uh, that was the tipping the scales question of the week. So let us know, um, you know, do you agree that's, uh, that polygamy should now fall under this banner of marriage equality or should it not? Yep. Uh, let us know your thoughts and opinions on Mr. Donald J. Trump. And, of course, how, uh, you know, being pulled over. Would you just yank the uh, wheel and go right to the now. curb yeah. and then just be called a reckless driver? No. Or do you do the safe thing? And, of course, let us know your thoughts on uh, on this ongoing Bill Cosby case. Yeah. Great uh, show. Thank you so much for filling in. Of course. Uh, thank you guys for joining us at home or at work or wherever you are in your car. It doesn't matter whether you watch us, listen to us. And if you are a first-timer... Welcome to the show. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Be sure to rate. Be sure to comment. It, uh, you know, it, it creates that community that ultimately we want um, and that you guys are a part of. So on behalf of Chelsea Galicia, who can be found at? Chelsea Galicia. <laughs> uh, and here at BHL Online, um, that's Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Black Hollywood Live. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Be sure to check out the other great shows, whether this week, Just Saying, um, reality check. The list goes on and on. Just go to blackhollywoodlive.com to find out all the shows. We'll see you here next time on another edition of Justice is Served. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.